It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. When most people think of Las Vegas construction, they think of casino hotels built up and down the Strip and downtown as well. But there is another side to Las Vegas construction, and my guest and his family's company have been part of that other side for generations. My guest is Mike Nigro. He's one of the principals, along with his brother Todd and Charles Hansen of Nigro Construction and a couple of other companies, which we'll get into. The company was founded in 1979 by Mike's father, Edward N. Nigro, and its current project just completed is the Extended Stay Hotel, Town Place Suites by Marriott, located in North Las Vegas. You can follow Nigro Construction on Instagram at Nigro Construction and on Twitter at Nigro Construct. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ira. It's an honor to be on here. Well, I, I was intrigued by the history and the goal of your company because we always think of Las Vegas and people listen to the show not only in Las Vegas, but around the world. And they only think of hotels and casinos on the Strip, as I mentioned in the intro. But there's a lot more to it than that. So tell us a little bit about the history of the company and its focus on non-gaming properties in Las Vegas. And was that a conscious decision of your dad's? No, the non-gaming hotel business was uh, something uh, my brother and I started back in uh, like 2004. And we started building these limited service hotels around the outskirts of Las Vegas. But to give you a sort of a family history, it's interesting. We kind of go way back. My grandfather was a general in the Air Force. And then he decided to, uh, instead of getting his second star, he decided to come work for Howard Hughes back in the day. So my family moved to Las Vegas. My grandfather started working for Howard Hughes and Bill Mayhew. And then uh, Bob, when Howard, Bob Mayhew, Bob Mayhew, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, when when Howard started to sort of lose it, he ended up going to work for a company called Del Webb. And Del Webb at the time had multiple hotels around uh, the country. And then uh, my father sort of followed in his footsteps and moved to Las Vegas as well and was in the hotel and casino industry. He tried to buy the Aladdin with Johnny Carson way back in the day. And then he owned the uh, Silver Nugget for a while. In 1979, he decided that he was done with the casino business. And he decided to open a development and construction company. In 19, I graduated uh, high school here from Bishop Gorman in 1985. And in 1989, after college, I moved here to join my father in his construction and small development business. So that's how I came here. Uh, my brother, who is a uh, 14 months younger than I am, he I talked him into coming in shortly after that in uh, about 1990. And we sort of started this family business and construction and development. I always in my head thought that your father was the one who started that non-gaming property division. But as you just mentioned, you guys did. So kudos to you. I was giving your father much more accolades than he probably. <laughs> no, he well. deserves a lot of accolades. I know, I know. I, I'm being facetious because I, he, yeah, he's done so much in in the Las Vegas area. But it's just, I in my brain, I always thought it was as him that started that division. But 
when you proposed that to him, was he did he make did it make sense to him at the time? Well, I ended up my brother and I ended up working for my father for the next ten years, and in two thousand, uh, we purchased the company from him, the construction company. So my father decided that he was didn't want to be in the construction business anymore, uh, and he decided, and he wanted us to basically take over. So in 2000, we took over. My father built homes in uh, Las Vegas. We probably built about a thousand production homes. And in 2000, when Todd and I bought the company, we decided to move away from the residential side and, and focus strictly on commercial. So for the first three or four years of our company, we focused on retail development. We developed some shopping centers. Uh, we developed the Vons at Rose Ranch and a couple others for anchored shopping centers. And then you bring up the hotel. So we decided uh, we're very entrepreneurial. We saw an opportunity for the hotel business and we developed a hotel on St. Rose and Seven Hills called the Hampton Inn. And that was our first hotel. Since then, we now have four complete and our fifth one is being constructed right now. So the hotel industry birthed out of we decided to move out of retail and to do something else. When you decided to build the properties, why did you also decide to operate them? Because operating a, a property, from my point of view, is a, is a headache more than anything else. Once you build a property, you're done. You can walk away and whoever is in charge and, or buys it operates it. But you've actually committed to owning and operating. Why did you make that decision? Well, we... we Joined with an operating company out of Atlanta and then end up ended up taking over control of all operations. The thing is when you when you own a property, you know, we found much more attention and detail when we operated to make it successful. So a lot of times when you just send it off to an operator, we kind of felt like we needed to have that aspect in order to manage the hotels properly. So we hired a great team and our our operations group is excellent in the hotel industry. And, you know, we needed to have that touch on there to make sure our, our asset was performing. So once you made the decision to be an operator as well, is there any limit to you and the company's vision of how many of these non-gaming properties you want to build? And I want to get into some specifics down the road here, especially the, the newest addition to the Nigro properties. Is there any limit to where you guys want to go? You mentioned earlier you're you're entrepreneurial. So that seems to me that there's no limit to it other than time and energy and all of that. But if you have a good team, it probably that helps a little bit. Operationally, we've been, we've been strictly focused on just operating our own hotels. We, we have looked at opportunities to expand operations for other people's properties. But right now, we're, we're just focused on Southern Nevada and operating our hotels. I mean, if the opportunity presents itself, We'll probably take a hard look at it, but we like to keep our focus on our, our properties. What's your thinking in terms of these properties? You took a look and we, I mentioned in the introduction, this, the newest property that you have, which is called Town Place Suites by Marriott, and that's located in North Las Vegas. There was a reason why you picked that location because of proximity to certain situations, and you can address that. But how much research do you do before you decide to build a property somewhere in Las Vegas? What we look at is we spend a lot of detailed analysis on where we think a property to go. When we do limited service hotels, 
So a limited service hotel is basically they serve breakfast. It's not a fully staffed kitchen and people come into town, you know, a lot of business travelers and they come in and they don't have to pay, you know, resource fees and that sort of thing. And they, they use their Marriott points. So we like to focus on branded hotels like Marriott, Hilton, uh, Intercontinental, because their reservation system is so strong. When we look at a hotel analysis, we like to have two things occur. We like to be by a freeway because of visibility, because people driving on the freeway may need to stop. The second is being around businesses. Business travel is big. And a lot of times the business person doesn't want to go into a casino. So when we look at those two areas, we, we saw an opportunity in North Las Vegas where there wasn't a lot of product out there. And there's tons of industrial being built there now, homes in the area. And where are these people staying when they come into town? So we're right next to the Amazon facility, which is a million square feet. You know, there's people in there that fly in from different parts of the country and they need a place to stay. We're also going to benefit being in proximity to the, the speedway. I mean, we only we have 117 rooms, but, you know, we looked at that opportunity and said that would be a good place to build. How do you deter? Oh, you just said something interesting. You have 117 rooms in this particular location. How do you determine that number? Why isn't it 116 or 119 or 300 or 50? How do you get that particular number? Is that based on square footage? The typical limited service hotel is about 120 to 130 rooms. We've built projects bigger. You know, the thing is, when or if a downturn occurs, if you have so many rooms, it could be a problem. So we like to focus on sort of the average, which is 117. If the, if the opportunity presents itself and we think another hotel would work there, we would put another hotel in a, in a close proximity. But we like to keep it around that 120 room model. It seems to work. And you mentioned limited service. So does that mean they help themselves to breakfast or is it somebody serving them breakfast? No, it's a, it's a buffet-style breakfast. Okay. And also, you mentioned that one of your philosophies is to locate a property near the freeway. And that's always a tricky little thing because I know what you're saying. Visibility is very important. And if you can just pull off and go to a brand you recognize and used, then it's great. But if you get too close to the freeway, then there's the issue of traffic noise and, and the visual element as well. What are you seeing looking outside the window? Yeah, it's a little, uh, there's sound products that we use when we're close to the freeway to try to eliminate the sound. If we're really close to a freeway, we have to do a sound study and determine what the volume of sound is. And then we have to upgrade the exterior of the hotel to accommodate that. Right. Because you don't want to have guests complaining about the noise level. Exactly. Yeah, they're trying to relax. <laughs> So trust me, before we put a hotel, we do have to do this sound study in there, and then we have right. to upgrade construction costs in order to in order to accommodate noise. Well, your timing is good for North Las Vegas because there's there's also concerts out there besides the Speedway. There's concerts at that ranch out there. And as you said, there's Amazon and there's other warehouse facilities and manufacturing facilities in that area. I'm surprised nobody thought of that before. So Clearly, you were looking at that under the radar and said, wait a minute, here's a great opportunity. Yes, we, we, we like to look at pockets around the valley. 
So we have a hotel out there. We have a hotel on a, a Fairfield over on 95 and and we have two hotels over on the St. Rose Henderson section. So we look at these pockets and we see where the opportunities are and where potentially they're being underserved by a hotel market. How do you handle the distance? You're a relatively small company and you've got all these properties all over the Las Vegas Valley. Again, not on the Strip and not downtown, which is why I wanted to have you on the show to talk about the other side of Las Vegas construction and operation. But how do you handle that kind of distance? Are there enough people to be able to drive around and check on each individual property and its operation? Yeah, we have a, a general manager who located in our corporate office. And then each hotel has a, uh, a manager that operates it. So basically, there, there isn't a lot of driving. I mean, with today's, you know, Zoom age and everything, it's, it's relatively easy to travel around Las Vegas. You know, you can pretty much get anywhere in 20 minutes. Because you had the advantage of being in town a long time and then your father before you, you get a sense of it better than a lot of other people who may just move into the valley and then start looking around. So you have an, what I would say an intuitive feel about what is needed from a construction or a property point of view. Have you made any decisions in terms of adding the gaming element to the non-gaming side of your operations? No, I mean, where we're at, I mean, the gaming element is a, a completely different animal inside these hotels. So our strong point is reservation system. We don't have resort fees. We don't have parking fees. You know, there's a reason why people are coming here. It's a soccer team. It's a business traveler. It's a leisure traveler. It's sort of a mixed bag of people that come in and stay. But the model is completely a non-casino related model. Well, you sold me on the free parking. So especially yeah, exactly. the way Las Vegas has gone, it's just for locals, particularly for those listening who are not living in Las Vegas, the idea of paying for parking is so anathema to most people that, that live here that it rubs against the culture that has been here for decades. So, Well, uh, another unique aspect to this hotel business is that people think we're competing with the Strip. So if the Strip is charging, let's say, $30 a night, which is cheap, we're still getting our rate of $120 a night. So our market is completely separate. A lot of people, when we started building those hotels, were, how are you going to compete with the Strip when they can lower their prices based off demand? And the reality is we don't compete with them at all. We actually get overflow from the Strip when the town fills up. But our traveler is completely separate than people that go on down on the Strip. So it's interesting. Without going too far into the weeds, the technical weeds, how is the Strip aware of your various properties so you do get that overflow? Are, are you in communication or is your team in communication with the various properties on the Strip and downtown? Yeah, so the, the reservation system, the Marriott reservation system or the Hilton reservation system fills about 60% of the hotel. The other 40% of the hotel is our sales force. So we're reaching out to the businesses in the area. We're contacting different, you know, casinos and hotels near the hotels that we're at and saying, you know, when you have overflow, you know, please send them our way or you overbook your hotel, send them our way. 
So that's a unique thing that limited service hotels in Las Vegas have that other cities necessarily don't have. This may sound like a naive question. It actually is naive considering my background in the industry. But when you get the overflow, let's say from a strip property, do you have to commit to a certain price based on the fact that they had booked the room at, I'm just going to make up a figure, they booked a room at $100, but they're sold out. So they're going to take the overflow and they're going to give them to other hotels in the area, including yours. Do you have to honor that $100 rate or can you go above or below it? No, we don't. We don't honor any rate as far as that goes. We're, we don't have a rate. They don't give us like a certain time frame. They just say this available hotel may be available open or we can move you over to here. It's not a, it's not a uh, rate set program. Okay. I always wondered about that because I'm thinking of it from the point of view of a consumer. I book a, a room at Hotel A. They're sold out and I got the room for $100. But they said, well, there's this other hotel you can go to. And I call them and they say, well, the rate is 150 So then I have to yeah. make the decision to pay more. But yeah, that makes sense. I could see in some cases, some hotels that would honor a certain rate just because they have a long-term relationship with the property on the Strip or downtown. But obviously, this is a whole different model. Correct. How does that work on the food and beverage side with these kinds of properties? You mentioned about the limited service. So you have breakfast. Do you have what would be called an executive or corporate chef that's responsible for, for providing all of the food to all the different properties that you own? No, when we do a branded hotel like a Marriott, they, they have a complete program on the, on the delivery of the food. So the kitchens are relatively small. It's not a full stove like kitchen with hoods and everything. A lot of, a lot of the eggs and the breakfast stuff are just made in the back and heated up with a convection oven. And so it's relatively easy to serve breakfast. It's always a big thing too, when breakfast is simple and you can serve yourself, it's part of the deal. I've always liked that concept where you're not nickel and dime, you're not paying for parking, you're not paying a resort fee. Exactly. All of that other stuff. So when a construction project is created in, the, in what you guys do, Obviously, there's a lot of jobs involved in the construction project. And of course, once it opens, other types of jobs are created, not the construction jobs, but operating jobs to work that yes. particular property. Did you ever do an analysis of how much you've contributed, the company's contributed to Las Vegas just in terms of jobs over the years that Nigro Construction and the other two companies have been around? Not an in-depth analysis. On that aspect, but I can tell you we've done, you know, over throughout our history, you know, $900 million worth of construction through projects around town, office buildings, retail centers, and so forth. So we're definitely entrenched in the construction market. And then as far as our operations go, you know, we have the hotels and then we have our tavern business, which we haven't really touched on. We have 10 taverns in town and that has over 400 Wait, employees. Mike, can you say that three times real fast? Ten taverns in town. Ten taverns in town. <laughs> I just like that phraseology. That's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> when you look at where you're putting these taverns, is it the same planning that goes into the non-gaming hotel properties that you build? You're looking at where the market is and where you could fill a niche? Yes, exactly. So the tavern business, we have 10. They're called distills, uh, eight distills and two remedies in town. They've been in town for a little while. What we look at in the in the tavern business is not 
not to be by freeways, to be in neighborhoods, not ne- not to be by businesses, because you know there is an after work aspect of it. But we want to be near the homes of where people are at. So you can basically go to your local tavern or sports tavern, and you can be home in you know five minutes. So our tavern model is completely different than the hotel model. We want to be in the neighborhoods. And it's similar concept to, in England, the pub in that sense, where you can walk to or get to your local tavern or pub in very short period of time, and that just becomes your hangout. Yeah, it, it, and that's what it's supposed to be. It's meant to be, you know, your relationship with the bartender, your place, sort of your game room entertainment aspect away from home. But you want to be able to get home very quickly. You don't want to have to travel, go after work, go to a tavern and then travel 20 minutes to get home. You want to be by your home. So that's our model with the taverns. And when you locate a tavern, I know that I went to distill down in Green Valley in that area, and it's within a shopping center, but it's almost by itself. And so it's it's easy to get to or get into, I guess, and get out of. Yep. And so you're looking also, again, I'm sure, at parking and accessibility and all of these factors that go into that. Have you found that you modify any of those taverns once they're built and you see how traffic flows in and out or customers come in and out and adjust it appropriately? Or is it once you've got that model, it, it seems to work each time? Yeah, it seems to work. Our taverns are a little bigger. They're about 6,500, 7,000 square feet. There's a lot of activity going on inside. So we definitely have to have ample parking. We also realize people want to park real close and walk in. So we like to do this freestanding building model. While we do have some that are in shopping centers, we got one that we're going to be starting construction in the Inspirata area in the next month. That's basically its own freestanding building with with parking lot. And food's an important element of those taverns as well. Oh, food's a very important element. So what we found in, in the business early on is that a lot of people focused on food and not on gaming. A lot of people focused on gaming and not, not necessarily on the food. We do both. We make most of our food from scratch, unlike a lot of other taverns. We have executive chefs and so forth. And it's a big component. And we change our menu twice a year. Because we realize our customer is coming in multiple times a week. So if they're coming in that often, they don't want the same food every single time. So it costs us more to change this menu twice a year. But we take the stuff that doesn't sell off and we put new stuff on. And we're constantly bringing things back. So we're, so we're taking the food aspect and, and hopefully bringing it into another level in the tavern industry. And we, we think we're successful in it. Before I let you go, are you optimistic about the future of Las Vegas, both on the construction side, the hotel side, and the tavern side? That's a great question. So on the construction side, our construction company just doesn't build for ourselves. We build for other people. So we're building projects around town right now. Construction is making me nervous because of materials and construction costs. I've seen a 30, 30% increase in the past eight months in construction costs, which is a little scary. The other aspect of construction is getting materials. Electrical switchgear is a year out. Roofing's eight months out. 
So there's there's a huge supply chain issue right now, and it's causing a big problem on future projects and how you plan them and how you execute them. So I'm real concerned about the construction industry, and I'm hoping some of these problems get solved in the near future so projects don't start getting killed around town. On the Las Vegas side, I'm extremely optimistic in the fact that the Raiders are here, that the town is, you know, new projects are being built, uh, new resorts, everything that's going on. I think it's just making Las Vegas a, a better place to live and bringing more business and more homes to the area. On the tavern side, you know, the same thing. You know, we're looking at expanding three or four more taverns, and we think there's an opportunity there as well. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Mike Nigro, one of the principals, along with his brother Todd and Charles Hansen of Nigro Construction and two other companies. The company was founded in 1979 by Mike's father, Edward N. Nigro, and its current project just completed is the Extended Stay Hotel, Town Place Suites by Marriott, located in North Las Vegas. And you can follow Nigro Construction on Instagram at Nigro Construction and on Twitter at Nigro Construct. Mike, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.